0: This hour is being brought to you by Team Hockberg. Visit their website at 56david.com. That's 56david.com. Ray, let's go.
1: Yo, Holmes! Lawrence Holmes. Holmes runs it really well. Noon to two. Holmes will what Holmes does. On Sports Radio 670 The Score. Yo, Holmes! And 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. Russell Dorsey, National MLB Insider for Bally Sports and Stadium. President Jed Hoyer always talks about, you know, who's going to be a part of that next great Cubs team. They think Seiya Suzuki is going to be a big part of that. A guy who is really turned into a stud and could likely be an MVP candidate. Luis Robert has all the tools, the power, the speed. Host of the Rally on Bally Sports. If you could ban something from sports for 10 years, what would it be? I'm gonna say the wave. It's a bit too much. Co-host of the Sports Adjacent podcast. I don't let it get to that point where I have a thousand unread emails. I have 277 right now. You
0: have bodies
1: in your house, bro. Russell Dorsey. What's Russ? With Lawrence Holmes on 670 The Score. The stream.
0: We love talking with Russ Dorsey. Why? Because he's one of the really bright people around baseball. He does a great job of covering baseball for Bally's. And for Stadium, you can watch him in both of those places. You can check him out on the Sports Adjacent podcast. And you can just see him out here ruling the world as a as a handsome, smart, young black man should. He is out here doing it. And he joins me on the Circus Resort and Casino Hotline. Circus Resort and Casino out in Las Vegas. Home of the world's largest sports book. Hello, Russ.
1: Hello, Mr. Holmes. How are you today?
0: Man, I'm good. I, I wanted to ask you a question. I don't ordinarily talk about a game that I'm up against, but I, I did want to get your opinion on this. Kay. I thought that Detroit was turning the corner in the second half of the season last Man. year. And, and with the A.J. Hinch hire, I'm like, oh, you know, this is, that's a smart hire. And then they went out and spent some money. Why is it, it it looked like it's all falling apart for Detroit?
1: Yeah, so I think a couple things there. You're not wrong. Oh, the second half of last season, they were one of the best teams in baseball. Um, if you look at run differential, if you look at the record after the All-Star break, they were really good. And had they started earlier, it would have been a very interesting September with them and the White Sox. But I think one of their issues is Javi Baez, we've seen him for a long time in this city. He is high risk, high reward in terms of what he is offensively. He can be the guy who finished second in MVP voting um, when he finish second to Christian Yelich, or he can be the guy with the ugly swing on three pitches that had no chance of reaching the strike zone. Um, That's a big part of it. And he hasn't played well. You have a guy in Spencer Torkelson, who I think is going to be a really solid young player. um, Still trying to figure it out. If Miguel Cabrera at 37 years old is your best hitter, you got some issues. So it hasn't worked Right now, for the Tigers, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, a the guy they spent money on to be uh, a guy in their rotation, they, not just a guy, but like to be one of the front the front line starters in their rotation, uh, is going to be out for a while due to personal reasons. So, there's a lot going wrong in Detroit, and they've tried to spend some money, but the moves that they have made just haven't worked. It it, it looks awful. Like yeah, watching lucky. those it's guys lucky. up close that that's
0: a terrible baseball team.
1: Yes, no, Lawrence. I'm I'm been working on some stories uh, for Valley and Stadium, and you. I'm there's like 15 teams that have no shot in hell at winning uh, the World Series this year, and it's really sad because with the extra playoff spot, if you tried a little bit, <laughs> if you tried a little bit, you could make some noise, but they're just some dog. Teams out here i won't say the words i wanted to use because i respect your platform but there's some really bad really bad teams out here
0: yeah you can you can save it for sports adjacent and of course tony won't bleep it out um because that's that's (laughs) not what he does now i've been giving a little bit of hell to the st louis cardinals in the last segment specifically their fans but when it comes to their team that team's been pretty good. And, and I know that the Brewers fell on hard times. And well, they lose like nine in a row or whatever it was. Yeah. I, but is this Cardinals team, because you look at their corners and you look at their rotation, is that a team that can legitimately win inside of the National League?
1: Absolutely. And I think if you look at, like you talked about the corners with Nolan Leonardo who played really well to start the season, fell on hard times and trying to pick it back up. But the guy on the other side, Paul Goldschmidt, is playing out of his mind. If you look at him, you look at Manny Machado, to me, those are probably the two front runners for NL MVP right now. 349 with a 431 OBP. That's an OPS just slightly under 1,100, which is insane. 16 homers, 56 ribs. Like, he's playing fantastic baseball. They're getting very so- solid starting pitching, as we saw with Miles Michaelis last night, one strike away from a no-hitter. Jack Flaherty is about to make his return if they get – they're starting to get healthy. Jack Flaherty was probably the last guy that they really wanted to see healthy to kind of see their team at full strength. But look, they they take, took advantage of a Brewers team that fell on hard times. They had some injuries, and they said, okay, we're going to beat the teams that we need to beat. The Brewers didn't beat the teams that they should have beaten. They got swept by a team like the Nationals. Um, when that happens, you're going to see the flip. And they they had been right there with the Brewers for the beginning of the season. But that's a really solid team from top to bottom. They have a really solid manager in Ali Marmol, uh, who in his first season at the helm has been one of the best managers in the National League. So they are completely legit. They have their MVP candidate. They're getting solid starting pitching. Uh, if, they're, if you're looking at what they could do to make themselves better, maybe a couple arms in the bullpen, a guy like – You know, I would say David Robertson if he wasn't on the Cubs, but that's the type of guy that you would go out and get, like, just an arm that has playoff experience. Like, there are a lot of guys out there uh, that could really help that ball club, but they are legitimate. Russ,
0: what do you make of how crazy the National League East has been, especially in the last couple of weeks where you've got – the Phillies fire in their manager, then they go off yeah. on a, a long win streak. You've got the, the Atlanta squad that's on a crazy streak, and now they lose Ozzie Albies, and the Mets have just been kind of chugging along and still with a significant
1: lead in the division. It's fun, right? It's fun because you thought the Mets were going to run away and hide, right? And when the season started, it looked like they were going to do that. The Phillies couldn't get out their own way. Atlanta wasn't playing well. Um, but they have now been on a roll. It's really fun to watch. And it's an Atlanta team that won the World Series last year. Yeah, they they lose Freddie Freeman, but you get one of the best players in the sport and Ronald Acuna Jr. back. He's starting to hit the ball out of the ballpark, be that MVP-type player that we know he is. The Ozzy Albies injury is tough because they don't have a lot of guys that can fill that role. They have Orlando RCU probably going to play – get the lion's share of of the time at second base so that's an area where you got to imagine they make an addition until Albies comes back but it's fun like the Mets are at the top the Braves are right there the Phillies after the firing of Joe Girardi seem to be playing with new energy and new life even though I don't think that they're a good team but that's what you want to see you want to see fun playoff races like it's sad when I got a we have to look at fans and talk to fans all the time and say, well, the division's over uh before Fourth of July. Like that's sad and that doesn't make for a fun baseball season. But you know, they have four teams in that division. Even the you know, the Marlins who aren't playing great have a uh positive run differential. So it should be fun. I still think the the Mets are head and shoulders above the rest of the team in that division, but if Ronald Acuna Jr goes on one of these runs that we've seen him go on this team's already won 13 straight. They can definitely take it to another level, though.
0: A couple of weeks ago, I was asking you about the Twins and trying to figure out if the Twins were for real. Now I've got to add another team to that equation. Are, is Cleveland, is this a real thing that we're seeing with them? Because their run differential right now is plus 34. We kind of all knew that they could pitch. The question was going to be whether or not they get enough hitting, They've gotten enough, and I know that we're only talking about a 60-game sample. I'm shocked that they're at where they're at right now.
1: So like we talked about with the Cardinals, they have a guy in Jose Ramirez who is not only one of the most underrated players in baseball because he plays in Cleveland, but one of the best. Like this is a top five uh, player in the sport, a guy that's finished top three in mvp voting twice already and when he came up it was like all right he's the guy that's going to keep it the seat warm for francisco lindor and he's turned into an MVP. he's fantastic you talked about the pitching they know how to do that really well the the you know shane bieber is starting to look like the shane bieber that we saw when he went out and won the cy young tristan mckenzie has really turned into a dude they just know how to pitch they know how to develop pitching I would look at them as how I look at the brewers up in Milwaukee with the resources that they have. They have to develop starting pitching and they've been able to do that with a lot of different iterations of, of their rotation. So they're a good team, right? I think that's a question we talk, you and I talk about every week. Is like, all right, who's a good team and who's not. I would call them a good team. They play sound baseball. It might, they might not have all the names that other teams have like the Cardinals have, but, They play sound baseball, and when you're a team that has to win on the fringes like that, that has to be the thing that you do. You have to run the bases well. Uh, You you have to control the strike zone well, and you have to have good starting pitching and and catch the baseball, and they do those things.
0: Russ, you were talking about the, the half the league has no shot of winning the World Series. Is there a team in that group of 15 that you think has no shot to win the World Series that surprises you that they are
1: in that group at this point? I would probably say the Seattle Mariners, because coming into this season, I looked at them and like, okay, that's the team that takes the next step. They won 90 games last year, Lawrence, in the AOS, 90 games and missed the postseason. They went out and they added Jesse Winker. You knew J-Rod, Julio Rodriguez was coming. He was going to be a stud, which he has been. They went out and got Robbie Ray. Uh, who won the Cy Young last year in the American League to be the ace of their staff. You're like, oh man, the, the Mariners are coming and they have not played good baseball, right? In a division where aside from the Astros is up for grabs and, and with the wild card being the way it is and some of the teams like the Blue Jays not coming out as hot as I expect them to be either, there, there's been opportunities and it's it's unfortunate because I still think they're an exciting team. I still think they're going to be a team that we look in September is vying for one of those wild card spots. But it, it, it's, it's frustrating when you have – and there's a lot of teams like that that are like, you should be making the next step. And I, I was listening to your uh, Sox pod the other day where you said they, they seem like the, the Mike Glennon where uh, this is my year. I think there's a lot of teams like that are like, all right, it's, it's our turn. Like, we're allowed, we're, we're supposed to be taking this next step, and it just hasn't happened.
0: With the Angels, you make the, the move to go away from Joe Madden, and that made news, and it made news because you saw like the bounce that Philadelphia got with firing Joe Girardi. There hasn't been right. a real bounce with the Angels. How how bad are their problems and can they get out of their way with a hundred games left in the season you would like to think
1: that they can like they've been getting decent starting pitching i think if if other teams got the starting pitching that they had been getting you'd feel really good about where you were but it's always it's the injury with them right like They signed Anthony Rendon to a seven-year, $245 million contract a couple years back in 2019, and he hasn't been able to stay in the lineup. That's a really good player when he's healthy, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy um, for them. They went through that long streak where Trout was having the worst slump of his career, I think the thing I always come back to with the Angels is there's so much talent on that roster. You have Shohei Okani, you have Mike Trout, the best player in the world. You have Anthony Rendon, you have Taylor Ward, a guy who was a first round pick several years ago, has been kind of trying to find his way in the big leagues and then turns into a stud of a player. And they just can't get over that hump. And you ask yourself why all the time. I, I don't know what their issue is, but there's an issue there. And it, isn't just a this year thing. Like even before Joe Madden got there, there was always talent on Angels rosters. You can even go back to the Josh Hamilton, uh, Albert Pujols years where they went and spent big. Uh, they went and got Justin Upton. I can't put my finger on it, but they should just they should be a lot better than they are with some of the talent that they have, and they just aren't. Let me ask
0: you some basketball because I know that you're not just baseball. I mean, I get yeah. it that you know you're you're the baseball guy at Bally and Stadium and on on the sports adjacent podcast. Your alter ego Ross Dursey he does yeah. some baseball work as well. But I enjoy listening to you talk buckets and and obviously I think you're, you're capable of talking buckets. So where are we at on, on this finals? Did was that the did, did, did Steph and Clay and them boys, like, like, drop it off on them, or has Boston
1: still got a shot? So here's my thing. I, I think tomorrow, that first quarter, Boston's going to come out and give the Warriors everything they have because they have to in their building. But here's my thing, and this is where championship pedigree comes in. If you're Boston, that has to be a deflating feeling to see Steph Curry go 0 of 9 from 3, and you don't win that game. Like you, if you don't win, if you get gentlemen swept, and you win one game in the series, it has to be the game where Steph makes no threes. It has to be, and they lost. So I think, for me personally, I think it ends tomorrow night because the Warriors have been there, they've done that, and they're not going to play around with with Boston. I like Boston as a team. I imagine that they're going to have other bites at the apple, even though you never know, but. I think this is where that championship pedigree. They just say, "All right, the series is over." Do
0: you do that hockey at all?
1: I do. You know, my you know, my dad always raised me to be a well-rounded sports fan. We we I, watched pucks in the Dorsey household. I think that this, like for for the
0: non like NHL fan, I think this is the Stanley Cup final that you want to watch. Like mm-hmm. I, I, all of the hockey people are obviously going to be in on it. I just think that these two teams are a lot of fun. This could be a nutso Stanley Cup final in my opinion.
1: You have one, one of the best players in hockey and Nikita Kucherov. If you're just a sports fan, you have a team that's going for a three-peat. Like how often do we yes. just talk about that? Like this team, it's not just like, "Oh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are good." They have a chance to win three Stanley Cups. In a row, and then you have this young, fun, hungry, fast Colorado Avalanche team that has studs. Uh, whether it's Nathan McKinnon, who's been doing crazy things, whether it's Gabriel Landeskog, who's been in Colorado for a, a long time, Mika Radnan, like what a really good goal scorer, great skater. Like, it's going to be fun. I know hockey people are excited. We've had hockey people on our show who are really excited about the series, but these are the two you know sometimes you don't get the two best teams in a sport in whatever championship but these are the two best teams in hockey they're about to go at it
0: yeah it's going to be a lot of fun I, i'm very much looking forward to it. and see you out here doing that hockey That's that's a you know I, got,
1: be, yeah, I tried to be a well-rounded individual lawrence that's why you had me on
0: this is the truth this is the truth russ thanks as always i appreciate it looking forward to the next episode of sports adjacent which will drop later on tonight
1: Correct. Uh, fun episode, as always. Got some cool things coming down the pipeline for the pod that we're really excited about. But, you know, just general craziness, me and the boys provide each week.
0: It's a good, good thing. Hopefully, there'll be an update on dogs and why Russ hates dogs. Oh, jeez,
1: um, Don't get me started. Look, <laughs> because it's it's one of you things that actually gets me mad.
0: I know. I know. And I I have very similar thoughts to you on some of that. And it's not the dogs. It's the the owners of the dogs.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's yeah. it's,
0: it's them. It's it's the dogs are great. And occasionally you can bond <laughs> with a dog and be like, I like this little guy. But there's the people that wanna, you know, mouth kiss him and do, stuff. I have, do I have do have thirty seconds, Lawrence? Do I have thirty seconds or do you got a floor go to is yours, sir?
1: I everybody out there listening in the Chicago land area on the Odyssey app wherever you are listening to the Lawrence Holmes show, (laughs) stop licking your dog in the mouth and stop letting your dog lick you in the mouth. Uh, That is not a place for dogs. And you shouldn't be comfortable letting a dog lick you all up in your mouth where you're drinking, you're eating food, you're kissing other human beings on the lips. Don't let a dog, dogs lick, lick a lot of things. Don't let a dog lick you in your mouth.
0: This public service announcement given to you by one Russ Dorsey. <laughs> Russ, have a great rest of your day, sir. Bye, Lawrence. That is Russ Dorsey. Yeah, Russ has got some, some thoughts about dogs and dog owners. There's a whole thing inside the Sports Adjacent podcast going on right now where Jason Leisure's brothers he's, he's having some issues because he's in, he's in love with a woman, I think, in love with a woman who's in love with her dog. And the dog is, like, taking up his space, and he's not sure what to do. So the boys have been each week trying to figure this whole thing out for him. And I, I think it's pretty simple, but I get it. Love complicates a lot of things. When we come back, I had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday about the Bears and going into this season. And the more I thought about it, the more I... I needed a little bit of space to talk it through. So I'll do that with you next here on The Score.
1: Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Bears.
0: Thank you so much for hanging out here with me. I'm Lawrence Holmes here with you until 2 o'clock. It has been interesting seeing some of the reactions from folks of what Russ had to say about... Dogs, I I will say this, I have warmed to the idea, I didn't have pets growing up, I have warmed to the idea of a dog. I have a couple of friends whose dogs are just lovely and energetic, and I will say that I get something positive out of interacting with them. As Chief Keith would say, this is the bleep I don't like. He wouldn't say bleep, though. Shout out to Sosa. Anyway, what I don't like are the people that are real militant about you loving their dog. How about you let me build a relationship with the dog if I want to? And then I can tell you that I love it. But this kind of like forced love thing because you love that dog. Some of y'all dogs are not nice. Anyway, it's a running theme on the Sports Adjacent podcast, and it's very, very funny. There are some people who have been chiming in about my Cardinals White Sox thing, and I wanted to, to share some of this. and I, I do have some bear stuff, and I'll get to it in a second. And this 630 text says, I'm a Cubs fan, so of course I laugh too, especially since he had that stupid mustache. Yeah, man. I'm not a fan of Dylan Cease's mustache either, but there's something about Miles michael's mustache that I'm just like, good for you that you didn't get that no-hitter. Because I'm petty and I'm bad. This texter says, I am diametrically opposed to the Cardinals. I knew immediately why you laughed. Highest of high fives. 773 texter says, White Sox fan does not equal Cardinals fan. 815 Texas says, I'm with you, Loho. Screw the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> like it really like it really is. Like the whole idea of it is really like a depiction of uh, you know, the the, the two fan bases like running across each other, a cup fan and a White Sox fan. Then both kind of looking at each other and be like, Man, screw those guys. Those guys stink. People on Twitch were saying. That it's the high opinion that Cardinals fans have of themselves. And the, it's that with the combination of bitterness and anger that White Sox fans are kind of always sitting on that makes it so that the two can never really be in the same place. This sexer says, I'd rather have Sox fans on my side before I'd even think about having Cardinal fans on them. This texter says, bleep them Cardinals, forget them all. 262 texter says, 100% with you. The only thing I would high-five a Cubs fan is to celebrate Cardinals' misfortune. Am I bridging a gap here? It, have, we, have we all like decided, like so say we all, Admiral Adama, have we all just like said, you know what, the Chicago's in it for Chicago. I like this. 815 Texas says, Cardinals fans are bags. This Texas says, are you serving up some hate on Wednesday? Yes, we used to do this thing called Hater Wednesday. Maybe I'm just pre-programmed now to be hating on Wednesday. 224 Texas says, so not fair to compare Sox fans to the, quote, best fans in baseball, close quote. You know, the self-proclaimed best fans in baseball (laughs) i am i am loving what i am seeing via texted on the twitch stream one more and then i'll i'll get off of it i'll get off of it but one more 309 texas says damn right we all chicago screw the carts okay by the way if you if you've never seen Jeffrey Bear does these really incredible history lessons about Chicago. And one of the things that he talks about whenever... If you go on the architectural tour on the river, they'll talk about it. Like Part of the beef between Chicago and St. Louis goes to us reversing the flow of the Chicago River. And sending a lot of stuff bad stuff down their way. Like if, if you're wondering like why do two cities beef the way that Chicago and St. Louis do, there's actual history in 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 the way that this city was constructed that played a role in that. Anyway, I was talking with a friend of mine yesterday about Justin Fields and and the Bears. And I'm, I honestly don't have a lot of energy for the Bears right now. But I'm, I'm built this way. This comes from covering a team for a decade. You get into the rhythm of it. it will My body clock will go off in a couple of weeks because training camp will be closer. And then I'll care more. But the other part of it, particularly in 2022, when you're looking at the Bears, you're trying to figure out what they are and I think I know what they are. What they are is a team that despite their protest, they are a rebuilding team. And I feel like I have to judge them that way. So usually I'm kind of hands off when it's clear that a team is rebuilding. Like my criticisms are not as as sharp or as harsh. That's why I haven't like gone in on the Cubs. Because when you look at the Cubs, you kind of knew what... If everything had broken right for them, you could see them maybe doing something. But almost everything has gone wrong other than Wilson Contreras being great. And it's going to be sad when he's traded. And he's going to be traded. But it's hard for me to kind of get my ire up when I know what is ahead of the Bears. And what's ahead of them is a whole new thing. And I get being in NFL market. Well, now we're back to being number three. But being being in a big market and wanting your team to compete immediately. But I also want to allow Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus to put all of this stuff together and then... I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm I'm allowing this to play out and then judge it instead of prejudging it because everything's new. So I'm not sure how it's all going to work with fields, though. The friend and I that were discussing this, this person is significant sports figure in Chicago, and we were discussing. At the end of this season, will people have made up their mind about Justin Fields? And will they be justified, no pun intended, in doing that? And the conclusion that I came to was no. It's hard for me to look at the Bears roster and not laugh. Because... As it stands right now, it's not a representative NFL roster. Like the Bears could like this year could be really, really bad. And there's a difference between the type of bear the type of bad that the Bears have been over the last decade, okay? Since Lovey Smith was no longer the coach of the Bears. There's a difference between that type of bad and the type of bad that I think the bears are getting ready to embark on. It's possible that Tevin Jenkins is not good at football. And that's a one that they spend a significant pick on or that he'll never be physically good enough to show you that he was good at football. It, that it's possible. I don't, I don't even know how to judge Justin Fields when I look at that wide receiver room and I go, it's going to be a very interesting tightrope in trying to figure out what things are Justin Fields' responsibility, what things are his fault, how do we then look at him and say he's progressing or he's regressing. When you put it on the backdrop of a roster that's just... One of my biggest criticism over the last two years of the Bears as a franchise was that Ryan Pace, the bottom of his roster was so bad. Like It's so bad that when I looked at them like that, you go, do you actually have 53 talented players to practice per week and i didn't feel that the bears did and so you go from that to firing the guy that put together the bad roster and knowing that the bottom of the bears roster needed to be completely overhauled and that they didn't have enough picks capital whatever to really do that in the first year of this i as a talk show host, I hate the idea of punting on an entire season for any team, especially a team in a huge market like the Bears, with a fan base that cares tremendously. But I'm not I I can't see it any other way. I've been trying to squint and kind of move my head sideways to see if 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 there's anything that I'm missing and I'm sure the training camp will give me a little bit more evidence. But training camp is, is weird, too. It's weird because we're going to be embedded. I'm a, I'll make this speech again as we get closer to training camp, just as a reminder. But fans and even media usually make their team out to be better than it is because for the first three weeks of a training camp, the team's playing against the team. So you're judging it against what you're seeing in practice. And quite honestly, when you see it go up, go up against elite teams, later on, it doesn't feel very good. So don't fall into the trap. The trap will be, oh, well, football's almost back. And that in itself is a sexy thing. My Sundays are going to be back soon and all that stuff. Don't let that fool you into looking at this roster and, and tricking yourself into 10 wins. This might be a team that's historically bad. And, and, and I don't feel like I'm being hyperbolic. Like you see it, right? There are players that, and, and I am there are players that I am excited about. I love what they did with the back end of, of the back four of their defense. I'm excited to see the, the kids fill that back four out. You still have to rush the passer and you still have to protect your own quarterback. And I'm not sure that the Bears. Actually, I'm pretty sure. The Bears are not in a position to do either one of those things. So it leaves you going, what ends up being accomplished? And I don't know. Does that mean that I'm a pessimist? I I think in this particular case, it kind of paints me as a realist, but we shall see. There are steps and little markers and indicators along the way that Justin Fields can get. And I hope that he takes those steps. I, I still believe very much in his talent. But trying to, to get to this place where this is a good thing, I'm, I am not there with you. Be back after this on The Score.
1: Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score, the score the and 670thescore.com and, and Odyssey oh, Station. Oh, Station. Oh,
0: I'm looking forward to game 1 of the Stanley Cup final which will take place tonight Avalanche versus the Lightning the the Lightning and what they've done and, and Russ kind of joked about it like what they've accomplished should be celebrated and we should all be wondering well how do these teams how did this team and this franchise go about building itself What's interesting, and I've seen some couple people write some pieces about it that I'm looking forward to diving into before game one, is that if you're looking for two franchises that are on the forefront of trying to make sense of hockey from an analytics standpoint, you're seeing them face off against each other in the Stanley Cup final. The Avalanche and the Lightning, they care about that. And they, they work to try to build rosters. I also think John Cooper just might be a really good coach. But the collection of talent that Tampa Bay has is scary. Like, fundamentally scary. They've got talent all up and down that roster. Colorado, to me, is just fun. And the difference between... I hate to try to raise them up by drawing this comparison, but... I haven't enjoyed the NBA playoffs as much as I enjoyed the Stanley Cup playoffs. The weird part about it is, in my mind, the NBA playoffs was a little bit more unpredictable. Tampa and Colorado are the two teams that I picked before the playoffs started to end up in the final. But the road to getting here was a lot more fun. Boston versus Golden State is a matchup that I don't think a lot of people had. And in itself, the final has been fine, but the road hasn't been as fun as what we've seen. So my hope is that people who haven't jumped on to what's been going on in the Stanley Cup final, I think you're in for a treat starting tonight. That's going to be a lot of fun with these two teams, and I think they're going to get up and down the ice and score a lot of goals, which makes it even more fun. I'll talk with Parkins and Spiegel next here on The Score.